Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aging parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello, jugglers, and welcome to episode eight, where I am so excited to introduce my guest, Candace Pachelik, practice manager at Van Al Veterinary Hospital here in the beautiful Comox Valley. Candace has been with the hospital since its inception 20 years ago, where she started as a student when it was a very small two-person practice. It's now a 10,000 square foot hospital with more than 40 employees and boy does that involve some juggling she's also recently purchased a little hobby farm in royston where her and her husband are learning the ropes of farming and she's incredibly involved in her local community so i'm so excited to talk to her today about this journey and about the changes and the pivots they've had to do through COVID. welcome candace as you heard in the intro, Candace is the practice manager at Van Al Veterinary Hospital. I have known Candace since the very, very beginning uh, when the hospital opened probably close to 20 years ago. It was just a one-man veterinarian driving around in a truck. Candace was uh, the jack of all trades, I think, at that time doing everything in the practice. The practice has now grown into this huge 10,000 square foot, 40 plus employee hospital you're now the practice manager over the last 20 years. You've just evolved. This position's evolved. The stress levels evolved. The juggling act that's involved has grown. And I was hoping we could talk about that. Definitely. Thank you. Could you give us a little bit of background? Like, how did you even start in this industry? Did it land in your lap? Did it something you always wanted to do? Like, give us a little background. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of both, actually. It was just fall upon an ad that I had seen. I've always been passionate about being in the sciences and biology. And I actually went to university into marine biology with the dream of living on a sailboat and taking pictures and the reality of that's not always what marine biologists do. And I was home taking a gap year and saw this little posted ad card on the wall up at North Island College and decided to give it a call. And I was very late to the entry. So I think I was the 122nd interview at 10 o'clock at night. At that time, Dr. and Hilary Noy's home. And it just happened and we just clicked and it, it happened so quickly. Ironically, though, I was looking back at a time capsule from when I was in grade four. I found it a couple of years ago and in it, it said, what do you want to do 10 years from now or 20 years from now? And it actually said that I wanted to become a veterinarian. So I guess wow. I was always looking into this industry. <laughs> Well, that's funny. And that's, and I love when those, just those little things happen. If you hadn't walked by that board, if you hadn't seen Mm -hmm. that sign, everything would have been completely different. So I love stories like that. So as part of this growth, right? So from receptionist to practice manager to this huge practice. And for those who don't know, one of the reasons I started this podcast is I wear a lot of hats. I, besides being a mortgage broker and a speaker, I also do reproduction at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know that you juggle not just logistics on a day-to-day basis, not just the administration stuff, it's personalities. It's a lot of women in the hospital. Like I think there's two males in the entire three. building. Ooh, three, three. Okay. Three <laughs> males in the entire building. Not that matters, but there's just a lot of personalities. There's a lot of yes. moving parts. There's clients, there's stuff that's going on. There's all the, the personalities. First of all, I want to know what percentage of your day is actually dealing with 
people problems and how much of your day you actually get to pet an animal and how much of your day do you spend dealing with the order that went sideways or the payroll that didn't work, that went wrong or, or whatever, right? What does your day look like? All of the above. There, there is no set day in, in vet medicine. And as we've gotten bigger, definitely the role has evolved. And I feel so lucky to have started when I did at that growth stage, when I was somebody who was given a lot of liberties and a lot of freedom to bring in ideas and suggestions and just take it and fly. So I really give a lot of credit to, to my employer, Dr. Bruce Renoy at that time for just seeing that in me and letting us go for it. Yes, you come in every day with an idea of what you want to get done that day or what's supposed to happen. Often that does not happen. There is quite a bit of admin work. And and I would say 70% is that people aspect, working with the team, where are you needed. There are days where I will just close the office door and leave that pile of paperwork because I'm needed in the back cleaning kennels and turning over laundry and just jumping in and being yeah. there with the team. And I've seen um, you do that too, for sure. I've walked in the back and there's Candace <laughs> holding a dog because there just isn't someone around and it just uh, needs to happen, right? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And I love those days. It helps me to walk in my team's shoes and, and realize that maybe the great idea that I had on changing a schedule or implementing a new protocol, what was I thinking? Hello. So it's, it's really good for me to do that from time to time. The other hat that I get to wear is I'm so passionate about community involvement and even marketing and working in other aspects of a manager role that I've been able to take on and build as I've gone. And so there's some days where I'll just be able to work on a project or maybe we want to start a new service. And that goes from everything from the advertising to the building of the handouts and the pamphlets and the marketing. And I have a lot of fun with my role and it's, it's, it's never boring and it's never the same day twice, which is no, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do think Mm -hmm. there is something to be said for starting for having worked all those positions before as a manager. And then when you're asking someone to do something, you're not asking them to do something that you haven't done before and you understand the dynamic. And I do, I think too, for me, Bruce and Hillary gave me that opportunity too. When I came to them and said, this service, this reproductive service isn't available on the island. I'd like to do it. He was just like, do it, just do it. Like no hesitation, that willingness to just, yeah, let's grow in a totally different direction. And you run with it. You've got all the freedom. You got the super long leash. It's your business. Just go do it. And how can I support you? And it sounds like that's what he did for you and and Hillary did for you as well in your position, which allowed you to grow into this space. Which was amazing. And as we've gotten so big, I I can't do it all. And so I've been trying to keep that same culture within my team and have several people that honestly, they run the show. They really do. Like they make me look good um, because they're so amazing at what they do and bringing forth their ideas. Then great, go for it, do it. What do you need? Don't let me be the bottleneck to what you need. Yeah. And that's what, what the best managers do. Petting puppies and kittens get to do a lot of that anymore. But the team knows when I'm having one of those uh, stressful days and they'll actually literally walk into my office and just hand me something. And why don't, maybe it's recovering from anesthetic and it's a bit nervous. And they yeah. all go, hey, come, let's go to Candace's office and put it in her lap for a couple hours. Yeah. And I say that because I think a lot of people, when they hear, oh, you work in a veterinary hospital, oh, you just sit around all day petting kittens. And that's such a tiny little piece of the job, but no. probably the best piece, but such a small yeah. piece. Yeah. So on that same topic, and I was going to ask this later, but I ask everyone, busy people that are successful that are really focused on growth and growing others often don't have time to do it all. And there's often something that you delegate to someone else. So whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in the practice, what is something that's really helpful for you that you could just pass off to someone else that you've maybe struggled with giving up, but now that you've given it up, it's actually freed up more time Mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And that's an area I think over these last um, 20 years and probably more so in the last five that I, I have really grown and it took a lot for me to grow in this area. I'm a very type A personality. Anybody out there that have done all those different tests, I'm an owl. I don't know if there's some other owls. And I think letting go and it's it's okay to let people try and even let them let them have a fail. It's okay. And so I think for me, wanting to hold on to the things that bring me the most joy, which is some of those extra projects and the social media and the marketing and the community event. But then seeing that small spark in some of my staff that really enjoy that and being like, you know what, let's let them take this away and fly with it. And so that's been really helpful for me. And I think letting go at home as well, probably was the biggest improvement in my life and being a mom and you have these expectations that you set for yourself. Yeah. Just, just letting that go and being a little uh, easier on myself, I would say. Yeah. 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 And for those of you who don't know Candace, I can tell you that when you give Candace something to do, or you leave something with her, it will be done 100% completely perfectly. Nothing will be left unturned. It will be done correctly and it will be done correctly the right time. She's got just a very high attention to detail to know that you've been able to do that and to let other people fly with things. It's a gift you give yourself, right? As much Mm -hmm. as you give it to other people, it's both. Pivoting into COVID here, obviously Mm -hmm. (laughs) this year has been unlike any other year in every business, but in this business a lot. And it's Mm -hmm. not the way you envisioned, I'm sure, doing business. But first of all, what's been the pivot? What has changed? And What's been the biggest challenge? And then on the flip side, what's the silver lining? What's the good that's come out of it? Because it's sometimes it's hard to see it, but there's always something good that we can pull out of these changes that maybe we'll carry forward in the future. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Where do you start? It was a, a massive pivot, I think for us. And I think not just for us, but all everyone in the vet industry and, and in BC and, and, and across the nation, no one really saw this coming, what happened because of COVID. That demand that just came into the hospital was, we. I guess the stars aligned. I think we were going to get to this stage. Everyone knows now every street you turn down, there's a new building, there's a new complex. This valley is growing leaps and bounds as many places on the island. And then, of course, what a perfect time for everyone to get a puppy or get a kitten or bring an animal into their lives. We're stuck at home. Like we want that companionship. And what a great time to be able to train a pet and have that time with your family. But at the same time, the early days of COVID, the industry by our association, we were told that we needed to cut back on our services and not supply, not um, focus on things like those annual exams and vaccines and elective surgeries and only do the urgent cases. And then months in, it was just like this unraveling of you've got staff shortage, you have this boom in animals and this reduction in services. And we just became extremely busy. Not being able to have have that face to face with our clients as much. That was the hardest thing for us. Absolutely. At first it was, oh my goodness, clients have to stay out in the parking lot and we have the whole inside of the building to ourselves and this is great. And then we're yeah. like, oh, this is fun for a day. Right. But it, it was so hard because vet medicine is all about the people. Like it's about that connection that you can make with your owners and reading that body language and they're advocating for their pet. And anyone who's ever had to go up to the hospital during COVID and watch your loved one walk into the building and you're left out in the parking lot, mm-hmm. and that's the same feeling for your animal. But twofold because your animals can't speak to us. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You are their voice and you exactly. don't get to yeah. be there. So, I mean, yeah. we, we really missed that and we found that communication piece really difficult. So having to put that hands-off approach with our clients was difficult and still is difficult. And it's one thing that we are 
really looking forward to welcoming back at the practice for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure lots of just that whole frustration. I'm sure if people are sitting in their cars or having to phone and and your animal's sick and you don't know what's going on, you can't Mm -hmm. sit with it. And, And it really was that perfect storm of people getting more animals, needing more care at the same time. We're going to talk about this in a minute, a shortage of actual doctors, shortage of technicians, and you're being asked to do less services at the same time that owners are needing more care. It's absolutely a perfect storm for not a fun time, right? So at the same time, it was as much as it was difficult in it, we were still like, so thankful that we still had our jobs yeah. and we're still working and we're still able to do what we love to do. And we were able to still maintain services for the people in the Valley. Exactly. Yeah. And so for those that don't know, because obviously they're not inside the hospital now, they don't know. <laughs> we talked for a minute about that. So all the staff members are wearing masks, so lunch hours, you're separated by a partition. We've got these yeah. big spaces everywhere. You're talking about working eight hours a day with a mask on with pets, animals, coworkers, trying to talk on the phone, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff while wearing yeah. protective equipment. And, and yeah. difficult for the animals too. Yeah, We smell weird with these sanitizers and cleaners. They can't read our facial expressions. We had to completely change the way that we worked and utilize our space. And you can't have a team of maybe in one shift, 22 people all working together. There is no way to physically distance in this industry when you're working on a patient. So we started a mask all day long policy last April, and we've been doing it and we're talking 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And it's, and the the silver lining that came out of it was we really had to almost pair up teams, right? And we had our doctor and our support staff person, and they would group together as a team and they would work together for the day. And so we had all these little kind of sub teams now working within the hospital to get through the day and and to make sure that we can, you know, keep up uh, with the demand. And I feel this magic word of when COVID is over, you know, our magic sentence, I think we'll continue with that. Uh, It's been something that we, we talked about for years and years. And if anybody is familiar with the vet industry, we were awful about changing. It's the scariest thing of life. But all of a sudden we had a change in 24 hours and we're like, wow, why didn't we do this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I imagine those relationships are getting tighter too, because when you're working with the same person all day, Mm -hmm. you really get to know them on a deeper level than if it's just, hey, can you give me a hand for a sec? And then the next minute you're dealing with someone else. I would imagine you really get to deepen those connections and those friendships. We had to bring in so many staff members because it took twice as long and twice as many people to do what we were doing before. So we had to hire that this a, a huge amount of people all at the same time. So holy smokes, brilliant that they came in and helped us out and came in at such a difficult time to have to be trained. And honestly, it would be like a couple months down the road and I would all of a sudden see someone and, and they didn't have their mask on and they were walking into work. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know what you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. You know like, I'm sure there's did. people there that I still know. Yes. I've never seen their face. I don't I even know. know what they look like. like yeah. oh. So that was a challenge too, when you're talking yeah. about building those relationships within the yeah. team and, and, and getting to know each other. It's man, like I think one gentleman that came in and helped us out over the summer, uh, I didn't even know he had a beard. So that was funny to, yeah. to notice that. You know, and you can't like see the smile. 
else, right? Like I've learned yeah. to smile with my eyes and never used to smile with my eyes before, but I've now learned to almost like go up my eyes. So people actually know I'm just or a little thumbs up. Or... Yeah, a lot of thumbs <laughs> up. And yeah, when you're moving in a fast paced environment, you, yes. you can't, don't always have time to convey that body language, but you mm-hmm. also have to not let your coworkers know that it's not them or whatever. You're just yeah. trying to keep moving. Let's talk about on social media, this hashtag has been trending. Yes. Not one more vet. And we're seeing yes. that icon. We're seeing it in social media. For those that don't know what that's about, can you yeah. tell us a little bit more about yeah. this whole initiative? For sure. Yeah. So Not One More Vet was actually started by one single veterinarian who started a private Facebook um, page. And it started after a colleague friend of hers had committed suicide. It, it, it was something that was has been a problem in the industry for, for quite some time. But it, for some reason, it was taboo to talk about almost. It was something that everyone thought, oh, you're a veterinarian. It's all about puppies and kittens and you're successful. And what what do you have to be unhappy about? It's sad, but I'm also very excited to see that we're becoming so public about it. And it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to even let our clients know about it. In the industry, we're one of the number one professions now for professional suicide rate, which is awful. Back in 2014, she started this page, just thinking she would get a few colleagues together and just as a, a way to reach out. Let us some steam. How can we work together? And I think they're up past 20,000 members or something now at this point. They do a lot of charity work to raise awareness, to have reach out services. And yeah, so sometimes you may see if you have friends or family that work in the industry and you and now you'll see that tag on their Facebook page. That means we've lost somebody in the industry. And so we're bringing awareness to that. Yeah. And it's important to have those conversations. I think, again, that conception is sometimes it that people Mm -hmm. just work with puppies and kittens all day and and they don't realize that a huge amount of veterinary medicine is working with people and people that are in distress, that are upset, that are angry. I know I've been in the back where someone's been on shift for 12 hours straight. It's just about the end of the day. Someone calls, oh, my pet's been sick for two days. I need to be seen. For sure, 100% we'll see, but there's going to be an emergency fee because everyone's already been here for 12 hours. Now they've got to stay late. Now there's overtime. And then just like all you people care about is the money and and you can just see them just shrinking into themselves, like (laughs) trying to put up this wall. So it's so hard on people and I'm sure that doesn't help with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But on that same topic, so if you're a pet owner, Mm -hmm. you want your pet to get the best care possible. You want to be kind to your veterinary staff. (laughs) What can you do proactively as an owner to not only advocate for your pet, but also show some compassion and kindness to the the people in the trenches in the industry right now? Mm -hmm. Um, For us, especially, it's important to have that open dialogue with our clients and have that face-to-face or even right now, phone call to phone call conversation. If someone is is unhappy or frustrated with the care that's happening, oftentimes, and especially right now, it, it comes down to that communication piece. It's so important to build that trust with our clients and that we're on that same page. Talk to your veterinarian. We want to hear, we want to know. It doesn't need to go on social media before we get a chance to address it. I, I find that a lot of this, this stress has really increased since social media has become such a, a common place in our lives. I think being proactive, being prepared, giving lots of time. Unfortunately, the vet industry is almost getting to be somewhat like the human industry in that you call and it could take several weeks to get an appointment. Yeah. And it's because we're making sure that we want to see those pets that are extremely sick and get them in as quickly as possible. It's not because we don't care. We love those visits when it's a catch up and an annual exam and vaccine and then we even get to know 
little bit about your life and, and what you've been doing and just taking those recommendations, that preventative care, those annual wellness exams, they are important to maintain that relationship with your veterinarian so we can pick up on things early. And we do want to hear the bad. We do want to hear when we've fallen short of the mark. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want your pet to be healthy and we want them well cared for. And so it's important that we have those open conversations versus someone walking away angry and then it, it become it become a more public matter before we can actually take care of the problem and, and at the end of the day, take care of your pet for you. Yeah. Yeah. I remember actually coaching a client through this the other day. She was dealing with another veterinary hospital and she was trying to get in for an appointment and we needed the results from that. And she was getting really frustrated because they, they couldn't get her in. I said, I totally know how you feel, but can I give you this little piece of advice? And she's, what do you mean? Just go in with kindness. Say, I know you guys are super busy. I know you're being slammed. Is there any way we might be able to do this? Because this is really time sensitive for me. And just see if you get a different result. And she phoned me back and she's like, oh my gosh, it totally worked. They fit me in. I'm like, but sometimes you just need to give a little grace, right? Just go, I know you're, instead of coming in, you must do this. You have to do this for me. Just, just put a little honey on it and just show a little kindness. And, and maybe they still can't fit you in, but sometimes it just helps to extend a little grace. And the thing is, I think most people that work in this industry genuinely are there because they care about animals. They mm-hmm. care about people. They want to help. They want to do the right thing. I see that every day behind closed doors. People mm-hmm. that, you know, will pick up a dog that's, that's sad or alone because its owner's not there and just tuck it into their jacket and carry it around <laughs> all day because they just can't stand to see it cry. So that's just a beautiful thing. Shortage of veterinarians in this industry. Mm-hmm is a real thing. I know people often say, well, just hire more veterinarians, but there is literally (laughs) no veterinarians to hire. There's this global shortage that has been amplified by COVID because we can't even import them now from other places. Is that right? 100%. And I don't know if anyone's seen on the news lately, even it's gone as far as several of our BC MLAs have even sent a letter forward to, I think it was Minister Kang, about the shortage of veterinarians in BC and the real crisis we're about to face. Again, like there's many of us even here in the Valley that are like, I've lived here four years and I don't have a family doctor. Like at some point it's going to get that way for veterinary care and nobody wants that. And I believe our association, the CBBC sent a letter to all the MLAs in BC. It's, I think we are allotted like something like 20 seats at the the university in Saskatchewan. There is no university schools here in BC. So it's a it's an issue for sure. And, yeah. and you, you said it, COVID, we've been branching out and looking outside of our, our Canadian walls. And man, we've brought in some amazing veterinarians. We actually have several here. We've, we're from Glasgow and from the United States. And all of a sudden when COVID happened, that shut down as well. So yeah, it is. It is. And I think hospitals to balance that, the demand and that stress and even the mental health in the industry, we're looking at a model of how can we bring in more DVMs so that we can lighten the load for each DVM, right? So we can maintain that quality of care. We can keep up with demand. We're hiring more vets to do the same amount of work that we used to traditionally expect fewer vets to do, which that's not a sustainable way of running the business. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, that whole work-life balance has changed too, I think. I think 20 years ago, veterinarians came out of school and expected to not have a life and they've realized that it's actually possible to have a family and a practice and they want that for themselves. They want that work-life balance. They don't want to burn out 10 years into their career. Mm -hmm. And so their expectations are different too. And you're probably having to uh, accommodate that. So is the hope to open up more spaces in the schools that we have, or just to make it easier to bring veterinarians in for other places? Or is it a multi, like what's the actual, when you say MLAs are writing letters Mm -hmm. that you're trying to, what is the change that you're hoping for? 
Yeah. Don't quote me too much, yeah. but, but I think for, for us, the hope is exactly more seats available for BC. And I know there are some seats that are reserved for different reasons and different areas, whether those are international students or for other provinces. And sometimes even if those don't get filled, they don't necessarily then go to BC. We would love to see a college open up on the West Coast. That would yeah. be amazing for sure. Yeah. And, and and the same with technicians, right? We can't, they're the backbone of this practice. And yeah. we, we're very limited on how many technicians come through the schools on the West versus Central Canada. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Real quickly, uh, a couple things before we wrap up. We were talking that you've added a new service to your emergency service. Oh, yeah. Instead of now being just answered by some random pager service, not random, but an answering yeah. service. You want to tell me about, I'm really excited about it. It, yeah. it sounds like there's some going to be some knowledge on the other end of the phone when people call now. Absolutely. Yeah. We definitely had to make a change in the early days of COVID and we were like, okay, what can we do? How can we help? How can we keep everybody employed and, and keep the team distanced? So we started staffing 24 hours and having people spend the night in the building and Dr. Cannon rolling in with his sleeping bag and, mm-hmm. and here we go. Let's fast forward eight months later and we hit quite a wall with that burnout and that fatigue. So it was important that we then take a step back and, and what do we do for our team to pull back a little bit on that? so that we can be our best selves for our patients and really research when we're needed. But we realized that left a bit of a hole for those clients in need in the wee hours of the morning. So we wanted to be able to to have that advice and have that knowledge on the other end of a phone to help them out 24-7. So we've recently partnered up with a company that's North America wide and they only uh, hire uh, registered veterinary technicians who will triage our calls for us. They'll help answer questions. They're careful about not giving advice or diagnosing anything because they can't do that. But just being able to to be there for our clients. And sometimes it's just, okay, just, yeah, what I'm doing is right. This is good. Here's what you need to do. And here's how you can call in the morning. And it's, we've just been going for about a month with them now. And the calls take longer. I'm not used to that. I'm used to them just going, hey, and then you're paging through. It it is because you're talking to a professional who's who's there to help you out. And is Yeah. And is the feedback from clients, are they liking that extra level of conversation? And even like you said, they can pull out your medication and say that you can't give medical advice, but this is a dosage and this, you should be giving this with food. Just those little extra pieces that that maybe aren't an emergency, but that someone can help you through until... Yeah, or if you have an emergency and, and you have to go to an eMERGE clinic, okay, here's what you need to do. Here's how you can safely transport your pet. Here's something you can do in the meantime. And as they're talking, they're texting you the map and the directions on where wow, you Wow, really? That's how. excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're like, okay, have you got your text? They record every phone call and they send that to us so that we can listen to every phone call so that we can follow up the next day. It's a medical history that is then attached to the file that we can build off of as well. So it's, it's a really, it's a great service and I'm excited to see how much more we can work with them just to, to offer as much as we can to our clients. Nice. Nice. Wonderful. Last question I ask everybody, if you go back in time, Dr. 10 year old Candace, 12 year old Candace. <laughs> Got any advice for her? You know what? I had to think about this one yeah. a little bit and I've changed my answer several times. You know <laughs> what? Because that's what I do. To keep it easy and just to be 100% honest, I think I would say, be kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. It's okay to be kind to yourself. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And sometimes the advice that we give others is the advice that we're at least likely to give ourselves. Yeah. yeah. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very much for, for joining me today. And uh, for our listeners that want to find out more, there'll be a link to the website, Instagram, Facebook, uh, whatever your social media handles will be in the show notes. And again, that was Candice Patchluck from Van Al Veterinary Hospital and Courtney. Thank you for joining me. That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests, sponsor an episode, or to book me as a speaker for your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca. I'm also always on the lookout for interesting guests who juggle it all, so please feel free to send me your suggestions. Please rate, review, and follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's a wrap. See you next week, jugglers. Bye.